Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Williams keeps it on the quarterback counter. Gets the first down still on his feet. The magic man pulls out the magic wand. Touchdown Sooners. Oh, he's a runner. He's a track star. The undefeated Oklahoma Sooners are getting ready to host the suddenly coachless Texas Tech Red Raiders Saturday. I started to say Sunday. It's not the NFL. Saturday afternoon, 2.30 kickoff, ABC Television, Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. Sooners are 19.5-point favorites over the Red Raiders. Over-under set at 66.5. We've got lots of thoughts on this game, but we got to start, Rich. we got to start with the firing of Matt Wells. And this is the way you and I, we talk about this. This is the way it always works out. In the world of podcasting, you record something, you publish said recording, and then the very next day, new information comes out. And that's what happened with me last Sunday. I was was recording the thoughts after Oklahoma's win over Kansas. I specifically talked about Matt Wells and how he was close, close to getting off the hot seat. The Texas Tech Red Raiders sitting at five and three on the season. I was like, you know, if he gets to six wins, I think he's sitting pretty comfortable, and then the very next day, the axe drops, Matt Wells out in Lubbock, and I just find it interesting. I I never, unless, excuse me, unless you've got uh, a recruit up in the air who's just the big-time recruit, it's like, you know what, I would be more tempted to come to your university if so-and-so wasn't the head coach, or unless you've got a big-time coaching prospect I, mid-season firings never make sense to me unless it's something completely inappropriate where you have no choice. So this just kind of boggles my mind a little bit. I, I, You're I've speechless. Got, You're yeah, speechless. I've, I have no response for you, Matt. I've had a couple of conversations with certain individuals about the Texas Tech situation, and I know that everybody wants to look at Oklahoma and everybody wants to try to assess the situation That's going on there. But I know with Texas Tech, they've just been dealt a big distraction because of the the firing of a head coach. And what I keep questioning in this situation is, are these players going to give up on the season? Uh, Is this this a lost season? And the, the reality of the situation is it shouldn't be for Texas Tech. They're one win away. From from being bowl eligible, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they're sitting at five wins on the season. So there's still something to play for for Texas Tech, even without Matt Wells at the helm. I do I do have some questions. I do have com- some concerns with Sonny Cumbie taking over. What's this offense going to look like? Because let's be honest, it's been subpar right. over the past two games. It, it's been subpar against TCU and Texas by far. But what's this going to look like moving forward? And and how are they planning to attack this Oklahoma defense who at times has been lulled to sleep almost? 
there again, Matt, there's there's a lot that's going to play out here. Right. I still do believe this is a distraction for Texas Tech and Texas Tech is sitting on a fence. This being the first weekend without Matt Wells, we're waiting to see at the edge of our seats, waiting to see which on which side of the fence this team falls. Will they continue to play and recognize there is still something on the line or is this the point where they give up? Well, and I'm not a big conspiracy theorist, but you think about, let's go back to Saturday last week in Lawrence, Oklahoma by far plays the worst half of football of the Lincoln Riley era, not just of the season, worst half of football, of the Lincoln Riley era. Is it possible that, Texas Tech wanted to make I, I can't think of a what's what's the the athletic director is a whole cut whole cut that anyway, at, at Texas Tech is it possible he's already made up his mind about Matt Wells and he's thinking you know what if Texas Tech who just has enough talent to go in and catch if they were to catch Oklahoma on a day like what they had last week in in, in Lawrence and Texas Tech upsets Oklahoma suddenly you can't fire Matt Wells mm-hmm. you cannot fire Matt Wells on a season where you beat Oklahoma. So it's just like, yeah, we are. We better get this thing out of the way before before this upset happens. I just, there's just, I, I just, it just, again, it blows my mind. And it's kind of funny to think back. All right, so the previous three head coaches. Can you can you name the previous three head coaches from from Tech, following <laughs> Mike Leach? I I cannot. Well, I guess Mike Leach is the third. So you got Mike Leach. Mm-hmm. Do you know who followed Mike Leach? Do you remember? Uh, he's in the NFL. No, 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 at the moment. no, no, no. He's actually a U.S. senator now. No. Tommy Tuberville, and then on the heels of Tommy Tuberville was Cliff Kingsbury. So Tommy Tuberville's a U.S. senator. Cliff Kingsbury's coaching the undefeated Arizona Cardinals. So maybe this is a good thing for Matt Wells. I mean, apparently you get fired, you go on, you do great things. I mean, even Mike Leach bounced back after going to Washington State. He's now in the SEC with with Mississippi State. I just Look, Matt Wells is an Oklahoma guy. He's from Salisaw, so you you want to you always. I don't know how you work it, but whenever I'm talking about Oklahoma guys, I just kind of you want the best for him. But this just whole thing, just Texas Tech, Texas Tech and Kansas will, in my mind, forever be paralleled together, because you had Mike Leach, who had Texas Tech on the on the cusp of the BCS. You had Mark Mangino, who actually took Kansas. Kansas, guys. They took Can- He took Kansas and won the Orange Bowl, and neither of those coaches was good enough for either of those institutions. And so what you've had is Mangino gets bounced from Lawrence, Mike Leach gets bounced from Lubbock, and then you just have a free fall. And people are still trying to defend the decisions. Yeah, we had to get rid of, of Mike Leach. We had to get rid of Mark Mangino. No, you didn't. You didn't. You thought you could do better. You and then and and this is that whole pride thing, you know. But you, at the end of the day, you thought Kansas Jayhawks thought they could do better than Mark Mangino. At the end of the day, Texas Tech thought that they could do better than Mike Leach, and they're going. Well, you know, Mark Mangino's last year wasn't a great year. Okay, well, you would love to have a year like that right now, wouldn't you? Sitting at one and five or one and six or wherever you are. Uh, it's so bad in Kansas. They open up the gates at halftime. Hey, you guys, we might actually win a game. If you don't have a ticket, come on. The gates are open. Yeah. Those two programs, in my mind, will forever be paralleled together because of bad decisions made. And you just kind of wonder, when you fire a guy midseason, you, you better have somebody in store that can be better. Because in the next thing you know, you're sitting like the Kansas Jayhawks are. 
Um, anyway, that's I don't know. It's just a weird thing. You, you got any thoughts on that? Uh, on hiring? The, no, the just next... any other thoughts on Matt Wells? Because uh, I will tell you, just fair warning, this is this topic's going to come up again in the podcast. Oh, this is not okay. the last you've heard of this topic. Um, I, I'll say this, and this will be my closing statement, as it pertains to Texas Tech and and them facing Oklahoma, is they have put themselves in a in a bad situation when it comes to who's next in this line of head coaches. And when you begin to look at the candidates, I don't know that the list is, is very long. And here's why not only Matt, do you have to find someone who's capable of running a program, but you have to find someone who also the, the circle dwindles because you have to find someone who's interested in running that specific program. Um, And so man, just halfway through the season, with a winning record and you fire a coach, it says a lot about your character and what you're willing to do down the road. I think that circle got immensely smaller than it did before the firing of Matt Wells. Now, had yeah. Matt Wells left on his own volition, it would have been a completely different story. Well, think about it from this perspective, because that, that's a great point. But it, let's think about the Arizona Wildcats, right? Last year, they Alex Grinch is a rising candidate amongst coaches now i know i know people are they've got their own opinions i just made someone you know, kind of veer off the road a little bit but alex grinch still is a rising name as a coaching candidate and arizona reached out to alex grinch and he was like yeah i'll, I'll talk to him but i'm not going to arizona mm-hmm. and i mean these coaches these young star coaches that, that's a great point you fired a guy in the middle of the season he's got a winning record if you're an Alex Grinch type guy, I don't know that you. It's a whole different situation that was happening in Baton Rouge with LSU. You know, they 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 you know negotiated Ed Orgeron's exit, but you got all those insinuating circumstances around that. There's no shadow over this Matt Wells thing. And so if you're an up and comer, you you almost to get this job now, you almost have to be a desperate guy. And and again, I, I hate to bring Brent Venables out here. Because I love Brent Venables, but you almost have to be a guy who's held on too long, who has said no for too long, or a guy who's just a recycle, like a Tommy Tuberville, a guy who's been fired three or four times other places, and you just hope you find mm-hmm. that right magic in, in Lubbock. Because those hot coaching candidates, man, that's a, that's a great point, because they're going to look and say, you know what, Matt Wells was a hot coaching candidate, and his record was below 500, but it was barely below 500, and you fired him in the middle of a season, and when she had a winning record, those hot coaching candidates are going to be like, yeah, they're going to tell their agents, Take the phone call, but yeah, we're not interested. We're gonna that's the very last on my list. So that that's it's, a really good point. It it'll be a recycle or it'll be a, an alumni. I, I don't see yeah, any but who, way Tell or, me an alumni that's I out don't there. Know. Who's I, out there? I don't have one for you. Those those are the two best options that Texas Tech has moving forward. Yeah. A recycle or an alumni. And I think that if I if I'm a betting man, the odds are uh, you're looking at a recycle. Let's talk because I didn't get to talk to you after the Kansas game. By the way, it's good to it's good to have you back on the podcast. And not your fault, my fault. You're the one who's been in Oklahoma the whole time. I I travel uh, with my job, but um, podcasting by yourself is hard. So I'm I'm so glad you're back here. We didn't get to talk after Kansas, but you're getting ready for Texas Tech in 48 hours. Is this a game when you look back at that Kansas? I finally watched it in full in its entirety. On, on Wednesday morning, 
is that a game where you just kind of go back and you burn the film? You just like, guys, look, we know we're better than this. We know we were shooting ourselves in the foot more than what Kansas was doing on the field. We know that we were making the mistakes. Do you go back as, as a coaching staff, as a player, do you go back and you just burn that film? You just like, okay, this is garbage. We play like garbage. We know we're garbage. Let's destroy this and let's focus on Texas Tech. Already knowing where our mistakes were and what we have to. We know we – because you go out and play like the way against Texas Tech, coach or no coach, it's a more talented team than Kansas. You're going to struggle even heavier heavier than you did against against Kansas. So what do you do? What do you do? Do you, I mean, I know they've talked about it because the defensive guys who are typically all over social media, I've seen less than a handful of tweets from defensive guys on social media this week. So they have talked about it. They're angry, but what do you do in that situation? I may throw out the unpopular opinion here, but I think you keep it. And, uh uh-oh, that's not good. I'd almost played a video oh. here on my my tablet. Um, I think you keep, I think you keep the game film. Okay. Um, I don't know that it's needed as a motivator, but it needs a title. And man, if we were living in the VHS days, I'm gonna <laughs> slap a big old sticker on there, and it's gonna say we're better than this. And then I'm gonna hang it somewhere, because everybody knows yeah, what that represents. Yeah. Not that you need to sit down and evaluate it, and view it, and dissect it. But to add that label, as I've mentioned, slap it on there, a big sticker, hang it somewhere as this this reminder that this can't happen. This shouldn't happen. We're Oklahoma, undefeated, ranked in the top four of the AP poll. Uh, and the coaches poll. And the coaches poll. Still with everything on the line. Conference championships still on the line. College football playoff still that that opportunity still sits on the table mm-hmm. for Oklahoma. So again, just use it as a motivator, not something that you feel like you need to dwell on, that you need to focus on, and more importantly, that you constantly need that remind or to to bring up what transpired in game and the mistakes. That's where I sit with it. That's a fair point. Um, I, I think the other thing you could probably do with it is, you know how like when a player gets in trouble, they got to go run stadium steps, that kind of thing. Maybe you just make them watch this first half, you know, <laughs> uh, just saying, maybe, maybe just watch the first half, but that that's it. That's just me. Um, we got to talk Oklahoma versus uh, Texas tech. We're going to break down the offense defense. Also true or false is coming up. I'm asking rich the questions this week. We're listening to you're listening to the sooner nation podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oklahoma hosting Texas Tech on Saturday. The Red Raiders come into this game having lost three of their previous five games. The wins for Texas Tech are at West Virginia and at Kansas. Their losses are at Texas uh, versus TCU and versus uh, Kansas State. Two of their, their two wins are on the road, Rich. I, I don't you, know, you read into that whatever whatever you want to, but 
it's a defense that I feel like the numbers are kind of skewed. They give up 385.4 yards per game defensively, which is just one-tenth of a yard more than what Oklahoma. Oklahoma comes into this game giving up 385.3 yards per game. But I, I feel like this is a Texas Tech defense that is incredibly susceptible to the run. And I'm, if I'm Lincoln Riley, which we all know that I'm not, to me, the key to this game offensively is you got to run the ball. And and I, not for all the other reasons that, that I said. You know, I, I said run to pass. Sometimes you pass to run. So there's strategical advantages to running the ball. But I think you run the ball because that's how you attack this Texas Tech offense, uh, defense. And you've got to your, – your defense yourself is struggling – with injuries and whatever you 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 may you name the reason why they're struggling. I think it's time Lincoln Riley maybe flips the script a little bit and does some ball control type offense where you chew up minutes off the clock, you hit an opponent where their weakness is. And yeah, I mean 151.8 yards per game is what Texas Tech is giving up on the ground, which is a lesser number than what they're giving up through the air, but still to me if I'm putting this game plan together, my my very first key is, guys, we're going to zone block. We're going to make it easy for you. We're going to hand the ball to Kennedy Brooks. You're going to run the ball. It's it's a little odd to hear you say, just my opinion here, that Texas Tech is susceptible to the run. And what we've seen, Matt, with Texas Tech is a string of games where they've held opponents to less than 100 yards rushing. There's a couple of anomalies that sit there on the list, and it comes from two very similar in terms of style Uh running backs. That's Texas and TCU. Well, TCU had 400 yards rushing. They did, and Texas had almost 340 themselves. Right. So the two teams you're talking about are Kansas and Kansas State under 100 yards, right? No, I'm I'm saying the two anomalies are Texas— and TCU on that list. I and mean, then you're going to you're gonna, you look at Houston, I, I Stephen F. Okay, Austin, I, Florida you. International. Uh-huh. Uh, nothing to write home about when you look at two of those three teams. Of course, you've got West Virginia in there, Kansas at the 145 mark, and then Kansas State at 81. It's, it's this weird juxtaposition because I agree with you that Texas Tech has shown that you can run the ball on them if you are willing to do it consistently. Oklahoma has that ability. The number one thing that I've got out there is to shorten this game. Yeah. And how do you do that? You run the ball. It's it's by running the ball. Right. But why, why, what's my main reason for saying key to this game is to shorten it? Oklahoma hasn't had a week off, Matt, in nine weeks now. And it, I think that's something that's very understated this season. And it certainly shows why there's some health concerns. There's a lack of depth at certain positions. We looked at four starters being out on the defensive side of the ball. This team has not had an opportunity to rest. So how do they get there? It's by shortening this game and heading into this bye week with the attitude of just healing up Uh and and getting to that 100%. So number one for me, going to be shorten. The game number two for me is going to be score early. Everybody knows what happened against Kansas. Everybody knows what's happened this entire season. Uh, When Spencer Rattler was the starting quarterback, if Oklahoma didn't score first, it seemed as though they were in trouble. I'm not saying that's the case here, but Oklahoma has this propensity to score in bunches. And they'll rattle off a string of touchdowns, not not field goals, 
touchdowns. We've seen that time and time again. I just want to see instead of waiting until the second half or instead of having this second quarter explosion, I, I want to see Oklahoma start fast by running the ball and getting Caleb Williams going as well and taking a lot of the pressure off of him, but, but doing that by scoring the ball. Well, and you look at Kansas, they, they won the coin toss. They, they elected after winning the coin toss, they elected to take the ball first. That tells you all you need to know about this scouting report on Oklahoma. You want to try your best to play from ahead because we saw, we saw Kansas with that incredibly long opening drive. I think it's 15 plays against Oklahoma and the, then Oklahoma pressed, right? You you pressed. And and th- that game, you saw it turn in the third quarter, late third quarter, like 90 seconds left, Oklahoma scores. And, and then suddenly Kansas couldn't, they, they had to get out of their game plan. They couldn't grind it out anymore because now you're playing from behind. You have to score. And you're absolutely right. I think I have full confidence if Texas Tech wins the coin toss, they're going to elect to receive the ball. And I really feel like Lincoln Riley and the Sooners, if they win the coin toss, they're going to elect to receive the ball. I don't think there will be a deferment for that exact reason right there because the the best way to get your opponent out of this game plan, you got two options here. Number one, you can get the ball first. Or number two, you can force the offense to punt or miss a field goal, keep them from scoring, and then you're back to square one. That's why Oklahoma has an, a scoring explosion in the second quarter because the opponents are just eating up the clock in the first quarter. And going back to what you said, this team absolutely needs a bye week. They they have to get healthy. And and you're right. You're right on. You you control the ball. You control the clock. You three yards in a cloud of duff type offense if that's what it takes. But I do expect to see some grind out offense. I th- I think the second thing you got to do is continue to play clean. And for the most part, Oklahoma did play clean against Kansas. When you talk about the offensive line and you tell you, there was a couple of penalties there that just kind of make you go, okay, guys, especially early in the game. You're like, guys, come on. You know, you're better than this, but you got to continue to play clean. You got to be on count. And I I think, again, I I said this, uh, I argued with you about it because you said about a month ago or so, that's uh, just the way it is. You know, you just have to accept the fact that that's just the way it is with this offensive line. And I, I took exception to that, but maybe, uh, maybe three weeks later, I'm kind of coming around going, you know what, maybe that's just the way it is <laughs> because they're not getting better in those areas, but they have to, they just absolutely have to keep working at improving. So run the ball and play clean are my first two. And then my third one is, is this, I throw this out there every week. You can't turn the ball over. And that that interception that Caleb Williams threw against Kansas on Saturday, number one, it proved he was human. All right, we got this whole superhuman uh, image of Caleb Williams because that was a bad throw. That that throw that play should have never happened. But they, and I was a freshman. That I mean, right. We said yeah. all along when the, when the when the bench Spencer Rattler chance began to come out, the very first thing we said, guys, he's a true freshman. You're going to put a true freshman out there. And he has been far more superior and exceptional than I even expected him to be. But he's a true freshman. And you're going to have mistakes like what he did last week against yeah, Kansas. And, and Matt, there was something that I, I do attribute to that interception. It was the overthrown ball. When your receiver breaks loose behind the secondary yeah. and Caleb Williams overthrows him. Well, but he's got Kennedy Brooks on the dumb down. I, mean, I, Kennedy I Brooks, agree. I Kennedy, agree with you wholeheartedly. If he hits Kennedy Brooks, he is still running. You're it's right. It's Thursday. You're he's right. He's still running right now. 
but he he overthrows that first one and then he goes downfield again yeah this one obviously in a little more costly of a situation and he underthrows that one uh-huh. but i think it's it there was a, a little bit of a mental block in saying i'm not going to overthrow right this receiver again so when he lets that ball go that that one's ripe for the picking if you're a defender and that's exactly what happened because of how how underthrown it was number 3 matt that i'm going to go ahead and throw out there when it comes to uh, the keys to the game, uh, we can talk about the mental mistakes. Uh, and that that's that's really what I want to hit on is because I wholeheartedly agree with Lincoln Riley. When we talk about this Oklahoma offense, when we talk about the defense as well, it seems as though the biggest hurdle that they have to overcome is themselves. Yep. And when you hear Lincoln Riley say, we're so close to putting it all together, if they could eliminate a lot of those mental mistakes, those lapses, this is a team that I absolutely believe wouldn't be having the struggles that we've seen. And we can even look at just the Kansas game, the first half of the Kansas game, and pinpoint moments where this these mental mistakes and these penalties derailed what could have been Mm. a a scoring drive for Oklahoma. Needless to say, they haven't put it together. They haven't played a complete game. I think Oklahoma offensively, maybe we've, we've seen one complete game out of them. So eliminating those mental mistakes, eliminating those penalties is something I'll harp on every week until we see a complete 60 minutes. Yes, Matt, I do think there are going to be mistakes. Absolutely. They just don't need to be costly and they don't need to be consistent. And so as soon as Oklahoma can eliminate the consistency of those mistakes and penalties, I I do think we're going to start removing our complaints about it. Fair enough. Uh, So that's three, uh, three offensive keys to the game from each of us. Let's move on. You got a bold prediction. I've got a bold prediction. I think mine's extremely bold, but, uh, but you go ahead and tell me your bold yeah, prediction. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to change mine on the fly. Uh-oh. Well, you could give us two if you want to. I, I, I could, but I don't know that one of them is good at all. It's what I have written down on my sheet of paper here, and I just don't love it. Well, you, now we're. You know, and, every, and, uh, I'm, in, I'm intrigued. Everyone uh, listening is intrigued. I've, so I've tried to live by this this motto. If I don't love it, let's get rid of it. No, well, let's get rid of it by. So yeah. here's the one I don't love. Then okay, let's yeah, start th- with let's it. Let's do it. I, I think Michael Turk. Uh, possibly the best punter in the country. I agree. We haven't seen him. (laughs) Well, we have seen him fairly often here recently. We didn't see him early in the season, so we weren't sure what we had in Michael Turk, in this all-Pac-12 player who transfers to the University of Oklahoma and immediately cements himself into that conversation. And while I think he's a great punter, what I'm hoping for is no punts. Okay. I don't know that that's a reality, in this game, it's possible. But it's bold. I mean, it, I we're do, talking about bold predictions. I do expect so. this one to be a high-scoring affair. But where I really want to go, because like I said, that's not the one that I love. Where I really want to go after our conversation here is saying that Kennedy Brooks will eclipse the 200-yard mark on the ground. I can see that. He's only done it once this season. We know that he has it in him. And as he begins to consume more and more of the workload, and he takes carries away from some of these other individuals – whether that be the jet sweep to a receiver or, or whether that be Eric Gray coming out of the backfield as well. As he continues to consume these carries, that that possibility becomes more and more. It, it gets closer and it's in reach. Mm-hmm. I think that's what happens in this game, or at least I'm hoping <laughs> that's what happens in this game. So, again, my bold prediction is going to be Kennedy Brooks 200 plus yards. 
it's crazy that he didn't make his first start until the Texas game, mm-hmm. but he's on pace to have his third. You know, obviously 2020 doesn't count because he set out, but in the years that he's playing, third consecutive 1,000-yard season at the University of Oklahoma, and that's going to put him in some pretty elite category uh, company when you talk about the number of players from OU that had three consecutive 1,000-yard rushing seasons. All right, here's my bold prediction, and you're going to love this because this is bold. Are you ready for it? It's going to be windy on Saturday. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, My my bold prediction is uh, for the offense, I think Spencer Rattler makes an appearance in this game. Not just like on the sideline, clarify, not just on the sideline, but I think Spencer Rattler plays in this game. Not is not to take anything away from Caleb Williams, but I think Spencer Rattler plays on Saturday. Was are whoa? Okay, See? first off, whoa. It's bold, is it not let, bold? Let, let me let me formulate this sentence after trying three times right there and failing miserably. Are you saying much like what we saw last year? Was there was a little bit of a wake up call? And I think this team has needed one in general. Uh-huh. I'm hoping that the the Kansas first half was that wake-up call for this team. But for Spencer Rattler as an individual, I've held true to this because I do believe it to be true, is that Spencer Rattler still has all the tools to be a, a quarterback that competes at the Power 5 level, that competes at a high level in the Power 5 conference. Whether that's in the Big 12 or not has yet to be seen. But I believe that Spencer Rattler has – he has that type of talent. Mm-hmm. Are you saying this is the wake-up call for him and he no. starts competing for that starting no, job no, no, again? No, 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 This is Caleb Williams' team. I'm not saying that at all. This this team is Caleb Williams' team. Like I said, you can't put the toothpaste back in the, the tube after it's been squirted out. But well, and you know that for the first time, Caleb Williams was named the starter. Yeah. There I'm, was no or yeah, there No, anymore. no, no. This is totally – I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying – I think there's a play, there's a package, there's a drive, there's something for Spencer Rattler on Saturday. And it's not a two-point conversion. Well, no, it's <laughs> well, it could be. It really could. Be. Hopefully, hopefully they don't need a two-point conversion. But I think you're going into the bye week, right? You got to try to figure out. Spencer Rattler's still an asset. Oklahoma has the best backup quarterback in the nation, but he's been on the sidelines since the second quarter of the Texas game. You're going into a bye week, so he's not. You were hoping to get him some playing time last week against Kansas. Now you got a bye week after Texas Tech, so that's going to be over. A, by the time you take the field against Baylor, over a month of not playing in a game for Spencer Rattler. You got to keep your backup ready. You got to keep him fresh. It's so odd to say that. I'm. I know, but I'm saying there's <laughs> there's a there's a drive, there's a play, there's a package that specifically. They're going to throw in there for Spencer Rattler. And it could be, you know, like the first half against Kansas. You're stalling. You need something different. Lincoln Riley's going to have something. He's going to have a plan to change a pace to kind of get that defense off kilter a little bit. Um, it's a bold prediction, right? Because we're supposed to – that's the whole point about this. It's something that could happen. Probability is not high. But if it did happen, it's really bold. So there's my bold prediction. Spencer Rattler plays on Saturday. Yeah, here's why it's so odd for me to even have this conversation is that we're looking at the preseason Heisman favorite. Mm -hmm. And it's not just that he's been relegated to a backup role, but it's saying, I hope he gets some playing time. (laughs) That's what's so crazy when you look at the status he came into the season with. Right. And, And rightfully so. I think he earned that label heading into the season, just didn't live up to the billing. 
um, through the first five games of the year. Well, I think there there's clearly there's chemistry issues. There's clearly chemistry issues with Rattler and this team. And I don't mean to rehash beat a dead horse, but it's just you look at how this team responds to Caleb Williams. It is a far superior response to how they respond to Spencer Rattler. And but that doesn't mean he's not useful. And I think and that Lincoln brings Riley, up a whole nother conversation. Right. And I think Lincoln Riley is going to find a way because Rattler's still an asset. And I think there's a way he can use him. And I think it's time before you go in the bye week to put something on film because you're about to go so, into the most brutal stretch of the season after this bye week. Hey, while we're in this knee deep in this conversation, what what are the odds that Spencer Rattler does end up in the transfer portal? Are you changing your mind on that? No, I, he he's either in the transfer portal or he still has NFL aspirations. He's still going to put out a draft stock evaluation, but he's he won't be with his team a year from today. He won't. Yeah. He'll either be if he if he wants to go as a low because he he'll go if he wants to go in the NFL he'll be a low fifth round below draft pick right now if that's what he wants that's what he can do or he's going to go somewhere else but there's zero chance he's back with this program after the after what however the season ends if this if it ends in the playoffs soon as Oklahoma plays their final game he's out there's just no there's no doubt about that. True or false coming up. I'm asking Rich the questions, and um, I feel like they're pretty good. Uh, of course, I say that every time I'm asking the questions, but it doesn't change it. The fact that I feel like they're pretty good. Okay, it's time for everybody's favorite segment of the Sooner Nation podcast, the true or false segment, where we say five statements, and then we say whether they're true or false, and then we give our reasoning behind said answer so i'm the i'm the person making the statements asking the questions rich you're the person who's got to respond to them here we go number one oklahoma may be the most heavily criticized eight no team of all time not just rev right now but of all time that's not the question that's not the statement i know you're going to say true yeah. you want to say true so go ahead you can say true yeah, right I now do, i do all right so here's the actual statement criticism of the sooners being eight no truly shows how spoiled we are as a fan base. It's um, Matt. It, it is true. Um, but it's, it's not just the Oklahoma fan base that has grown accustomed to seeing where this Oklahoma team lies. And it's largely because of the, the recruiting efforts while Oklahoma is not at the recruiting level of say, and Alabama doesn't have that same prestige. I'm not going to go in and define for you the word prestige and its, its root origin this week. <laughs> but when we look at what Alabama's doing, they've been unrivaled for years and years. Right, right. They lose Kirby Smart, and all of a sudden Georgia's on their level. Why? You can I can almost assuredly guarantee you that he stole some of their recruiting tactics. Why? He was a part of that that staff. Uh-huh. He knows what's going on and he knows what works and he knows how to win top level recruits. That's why Georgia, I believe, is having the season that they're having. Kirby Smart, his recruiting efforts and that defensive knowledge that he has is carrying this team to a unanimous number one ranking. But when we look at Oklahoma, Matt, it's they're no slouches themselves and they continuously reloaded on the offensive side of the ball. We've waited and waited and waited again for the defensive side of the ball to catch up to what was happening on the offensive side, Alex Grinch steps into that equation, and it seems as though things are on an uptick. And statistically, you can say that's still the case. Regardless of how you feel about this team, statistically, you can say that each and every year Alex Grinch has been with this team 
they've improved. And so for Oklahoma to be at 8-0 and this season, that's not a surprise. For them to be criticized, not a surprise. As heavily as they're criticized, maybe that is rubbing some some people wrong. But again, we got to look at the national scene, the national level here. And what I believe completely sums up why this is true is that Alabama, even with a loss, by the way, to an unranked team, mm-hmm. jumped Oklahoma in the rankings. Yeah, but I mean, that's you. Oklahoma fans, college football fans in general are. They've they've grown expectant of that, and I I'm, I feel like I will, I laid out a pretty good argument Sunday's podcast about Cincinnati. Everyone, oh Cincinnati, they struggle with Navy, and, and they they won by a lesser margin than OU did over Kansas. Mm-hmm. I get that, but you know what? Cincinnati has a win over number eleven Notre Dame. Oklahoma's best win, Oklahoma's best win this season is over a three loss Texas team. So let let me flip this question back at you because I hear what you're saying. And and I see when we want to compare best wins, Cincinnati does have a better win than Oklahoma does mm-hmm. on their resume. But Oklahoma's not going to play an unranked opponent through the month of November. Well, that's what I said on because I mean mm-hmm. on Sunday that's what I said is three weeks from now, five weeks from now, when when this is all said and done, if Oklahoma's still undefeated, then they've got the argument. But yeah. as of right mm-hmm. now, Oklahoma doesn't have the argument. They don't. But you're gonna you're you're about to head to hit this gauntlet. You got Texas yeah. Tech, you got the bye week, and then it's Baylor, Iowa State, Oklahoma State in championship November. And this mm-hmm. is what Oklahoma lives for. To, but, and two of the best defensive teams in the conference. Absolutely. So we're gonna get a real gauge of just how good Caleb Williams well, is. Well, and it's not I mean, I would just I would throw all three of those teams out there as as solid defensive teams. And and the thing is, is it comes down to two things, right? The first thing it comes down to is there are guys and girls right now who are sophomores in college, sophomores in college, Rich, and all they know is Oklahoma dominating the Big 12. Their entire high school career and now through two years of college, I guess they're juniors now, okay? So their entire high school career, two years of college, into their third year, all they know is Oklahoma dominating the Big 12. But this was the year... That across the board, Sooner Nation bought into the hype that this is a championship team, right? This was the year. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where this criticism is coming from because, well, we're used to dominating the Big 12. We're used to doing this. But this was the year we were supposed to play at Alabama. This is the year we were supposed to play at Georgia. And we don't know right now. We don't know that they can't. We just know the product on the field is not passing the eye test. It's inconsistent. Yeah. But here's the second point. My son's 25 years old. The last time Oklahoma was 8-0, he was 8. So you got you got to look at both sides. Are they as good with the eye test as we thought they would be? Are they as dominant as we thought they would be? No, they're not. But they're doing something that hasn't been done in Thank this program you. since 2004. You're, you're backing up the statement that I, I think I made this statement three weeks ago. It's that good teams find a way to win. Absolutely. And Oklahoma, regardless of when they've been challenged and who they've been challenged by, they found a way to win. Fair enough. All right, here we go. So we're going to go with uh, number two, true or false. Caleb Williams deserves to be in the Heisman Trophy conversation. Um... Here, let let me preface my my answer with this. 
is I think Caleb Williams, because of his personality and the way that he seems to be a magnet for players around him, we thought, number one, that would be the biggest attribute that he brought to the table while he wasn't the starting quarterback in terms of recruiting. Mm -hmm. So we knew that that personality trait was there. The, the possibility of him rallying people around him has always existed because it's just who he is. We're seeing a little bit of the product on the field with not just his throwing ability and the vertical passing threat, but we've seen that he can move the pocket. We've seen that he can make the decision to run and it turns into something costly. And then we even see last week, a player who may not have a full grasp of every single, every single rule that exists in a rule book yet utilizes one of the, the most obscure rules to secure a first down. I don't think he was thinking of rules. Honestly, I know, I know, moment. right? But I'm saying, I'm saying, if you were to sit down and quiz somebody on the rule book, mm-hmm. nobody's going to know that whole thing unless you're one of the top refs in in the country, right? And so when it comes down to it, to utilize a rule, such an obscure rule, to earn that first down, there's a lot that's going right for Caleb Williams. But at this point in time, my answer is false. He hasn't been a full season starter. Right. I think that's something that's going to hurt him tremendously. Had he been a full season starter, it would be a true for me because of what we've seen, because of the product that we've seen on the field. Caleb Williams in and of himself is an X factor for this Oklahoma team. And the way that this Oklahoma team plays for him is completely different. You've already alluded to that Mm -hmm. on this podcast. It's completely different than the way the team played for Spencer Rattler. And you look at all the positives that exist and you look at the potential that still sits on the table for him. And I, I, I would venture to say that he's sitting in New York. I wouldn't be surprised if he's sitting in New York this year. Well, then that's true then. then you're, no, right. I'm, I'm, saying, I'm not asking you, should he win the Heisman Trophy? Right, I'm asking, I'm should saying, he be in the conversation? I, no, no, no. I understand your question fully. And I'm saying that I wouldn't be surprised because of how enamored people are mm-hmm. with him. But for me, it's still a false. Okay, so let me – because I'm, I'm going to strongly disagree with you on this. And it's not just because I'm a homer, but – Here's what I'm going to ask you. Is Caleb Williams, what you've seen, second half against Texas, you know, and then Kansas State, TCU, Kansas, what you've seen. I actually, Kansas State was Spencer Rattler, wasn't it? But whatever. Is, is Caleb Williams right now one of the top four players in college football? That's a no for me. For real. All right, tell me who you're going to take over no. Caleb Williams. This is going to sound weird because I don't feel as though Bryce Young at Alabama okay, I'll give is you Bryce doing Young, anything but, phenomenal. But I'll, I'll give you him. I, I, I just – I don't see it. Um, I think what Ole Miss, Matt, Matt Corral, 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 yep. Corral, uh, Corral, is doing there okay. probably otherworldly for that program. Okay. C.J. Stroud at Ohio uh, State no. I know is in the conversation. Uh, uh, I'm going to ixinate you on that one. Like, keep going. <laughs> you, you can. That's perfectly fine. And Kenneth Walker for me. Michigan State. The running back. back? Yeah. So I would I would take out CJ Stroud and put in Caleb Williams. Again, I'm not saying the kid needs to what, win the Heisman. What about what about the quarterback at Cincinnati? He's the quarterback at Cincinnati. So <laughs> I'm just saying. They're no, undefeated look, look, number Ritter, two in the land. Ritter, if you're if you're a FanDuel, if you're because you know me, I love fantasy sports, right? If you're a FanDuel guy or a fantasy sports guy, Ritter is a killer every week. That because of who they play in the American. 
That dude is 40 points plus every week for you on your FanDuel roster. You can take that free advice from me as long as you're not playing against me. But still, I wouldn't. You look at the level of competition in the American. To me, that that puts him on the outside looking. Would in. Would you consider then Caleb Williams as the the best football player in the Big Twelve? Yeah, he has surpassed Bijan Robinson. I'm just okay. saying he has. Be, going that, back to the first of October, it was all about Bijan Robinson, right? Now they lost Oklahoma. They lost the Texas. Uh, they lost Oklahoma State. Bijan Robinson is out of that conversation, and Caleb Williams is filling that void. I'm going to tell you right now, if, if unless he gets injured, Caleb Williams will be the offensive newcomer of the year in the Big 12. He, I'm not saying he deserves to win the Heisman. I'm saying my point is he deserves to be in the conversation. I think he's a top four player in the country. But, hey, this is a question for you, <laughs> so I'm going to give you last last say on it. Like I said, Matt, it's, it's just false for me. In my opinion, I've said this previously. I'm going to echo that here and saying that had he played a complete season and shown this level of productivity, I, I would stick with him. And I say that he's sitting in New York City, not just as a filler role, but as uh -huh. a, a guy who could potentially win it. Okay. All right. So let's move on to number three. True or false, Rich? Texas Tech firing Matt Wells this week only makes the Red Rangers, the Red Ranger, that, that team, the Red Raiders, more dangerous come Saturday. Nah, I, I'm going with false on that one. I said at the top of this podcast, Matt, that Texas Tech was dealt a distraction by the firing there and Sonny Cumbie stepping into that role. What we've seen, I, I don't know if the passing numbers are because they've been without Tyler Shaw or if the passing numbers just reflect the ability and, and what the defense is giving them and the ability of Columbia. I, I can't answer that question, but I do know that when we sit down, if we're coaches and we're signing off on the offensive game plan, there's a heavy hand that uh, a guy um, as the offensive coordinator would present mm -hmm. in that. Now, all of a sudden, Sonny Cumbie is taking over as the interim head coach, and he has a good team to work with. I, I still believe that, regardless of what's happening and, and what the, the powers that be at the university believed, that's still a good team to work with. It's not a team that's in shambles, and there are pieces, especially a guy like Eric Eric Ezukanma, yeah, yeah. uh -huh. to work good with. Good job on that name, by the way, because yeah. I was dreading having to say that when we do our defensive <laughs> preview. So I, I'm looking at it, Matt, and saying exactly what I said at the beginning. Texas Tech still has something to play for, but I think this is a point where you give up. And unfortunately, the way that things are falling and the way that things are transpiring – it, this is a team that's probably going to give up because that was the last straw. Okay, so I want to agree with you in principle here, but I am going to offer the other side of the coin is that maybe, maybe Matt Wells had lost the locker room. Yeah, and if that's, that's the case, considered. yeah, if that's the case, if Matt Wells had lost the locker room and lost the respect to the team, then suddenly think about Mike the Mike Stoops situation. When Mike Stoops was gone following the Texas game, this defense came back and played their best game of that season against TCU. And there was a lot of players. Buki was one of them who was – they were vocal about the fact what's different with this coach. You know, it's different when this coach – whatever. So if, if Matt Wells had lost the locker room, then this team goes out and they, they, they play a little bit better. Mm -hmm. I think this is the make-or-break game for, T for Texas Tech. I think you're absolutely right on principle, but if if they like Cumbie, 
if they didn't like Matt Wells, they come out and they play what they got for this new coach, and then they lose, then I think that's when you see the tank job start to happen. Yeah. That, again, well, and, in principle, I agree with you, but I'm just, there, there is another side of that coin. And then the last thing here is when you look at a guy like Sonny Cumbie who's taking over this new role, all of a sudden that responsibility can be crushing Absolutely. for a guy who's an offensive coordinator right. and has only dealt with the, the offense and has signed off and has approved different things from the position coaches. But at the end of the day, now he's he's in charge of both sides of the ball. It's a completely different realm. It's a completely different game for him to step into. And I'm not saying that he's not capable because he's been around the college game for years now. Yeah. In fact, when Oklahoma was doing some of their hirings and eventually settled on Lincoln Riley, Sonny Cumbie was spotted in Norman mm -hmm. for that job. And I thought he would have been a solid choice for Oklahoma and the style of offense that, that they were looking to run, seeing the, the list of candidates who were popping up and their pictures were being posted at restaurants with other people from the university. And needless to say, I'm, I'm just going to hold true on this one and say that there's a lot at play. There's a lot at stake as well. And it still could go one way or the other. I'm just envisioning this being that crumbling point for Texas Tech. Okay, so here we go. Number four, adding Jalen Redman back to the defensive line will improve the defense overall. True or false? I'm going to go with true on this one. Um, I, I, I'm not believing it 100%. I'm telling myself in hopes that, I that it will come true and that I'll buy in and believe it 100% on Saturday. But we look at the talent that is Jalen Redmond, and then we look at what's What's played out mm -hmm. through Isaiah Thomas, Nick Benito, Perrian Winfrey, Josh Ellison. There's a, a plethora of names that can plug in and play the position of the defensive line. Sure, Redmond going to be more of an you, – you, you coined him as a guy who was very versatile. Mm -hmm. And I said that he would play the defensive end almost exclusively. So when we're looking for the pass rushing ability, I think Jalen Redmond does add an element – to the table that Oklahoma has needed because now you can't just key in on a guy like Nick Benito. All of a sudden, you've got to stop Perry and Winfrey in the middle. You've got to stop Isaiah Thomas on one side. You've got to stop uh, Redmond on the opposite side. And then how, how do you stop a blitzing Nick Benito? It seems as though that's a very tall task with Redmond back into the equation. So the answer is going to be true for me. Yeah, see, so you and I, we agreed on the very first one. And then we're on the opposite sides from, from this point forward. And here's the reason why I say this is false. I, I do agree. I, adding, adding Redmond back this Saturday will, will help depth, right? So it's going to help keep guys fresh. So you're going to have fresher legs longer in this game. But where this defense needs help is they need Woody Washington back. They need Delarian Turner yell back. They need Criddell back. And until the back end of that defense gets their guys healthy – this defense is still going to struggle. But the, the Jalen Redmond is not going to play safety or cornerback. He for is Oklahoma. not. The truth of the matter, though, is if you can shorten the time that a quarterback has to survey the field, yeah, it's, it's, I agree. it's going to remove a lot of what you're asking those yeah. guys in the secondary to do. So you, I know that you know this, Matt. Defense starts up front in the trenches. But, but there was not a lot, a lot of plays the last two weeks where the quarterback held the ball very long. It's it's in and out. Boom. Snap. Fire. So, and we'll get into that when we do our defensive breakdown. All right, here's, here's the last one for you. And I'll just sit here and be quiet on this one, all right? Because I, I, I'm, I'm talking more than I need to. Uh, so, this is all on you. Number five. True or false, Rich? Marcus Major 
will log his first carry of the season on Saturday against Texas Tech. That one is false for me. Um, has has Marcus Major redshirted in his career? Yeah. You were positive on that? I'm 72.3% sure. Okay. I can look it up for you. It, it doesn't change talk, my answer. It, it doesn't change my answer. It was just a curiosity. When we look at Marcus Major and we look at what he brings to the table, Matt, I do think that he he's a guy who can contribute. He's a guy who also adds depth to this team, but at the end of the day is when academics are a major concern of yours and the reason you're being suspended is academics, I, I think there should be a punishment. For that, sure, work, earn your way back onto the field, and I think that's what he's doing. He's earned his way, his right to be with this team mm-hmm. now, but I don't think that he's made enough headway in order to see him on the field. Marcus Major is a redshirt sophomore. Marcus Major will carry the ball at some point this season. I firmly believe <laughs> that, but that's it. That's it for me. You, you've got one guy that you're losing to the NFL for sure. Kennedy oh, absolutely. Brooks yeah, gone. he's gone. Yeah, yeah there's, there's no doubt. Especially you, you've already mentioned that he's going to crack that 1000 yard mark mm-hmm. with the number of games that Oklahoma has left to play. They're already bowl eligible. They've got four games left on the season. He needs 250 yards, less than 250 yards to crack that that 1000 yard mark. He's going to do that. <laughs> Even if he averages 40 yards a game, he's going to break that that barrier there. So so if he goes out and sprains his pinky toenail on Saturday and is hobbled for the rest We're of the blaming season. You no, you, you're the one. Now. No, you said it. No, I didn't say you anything. guaranteed. You guaranteed he was going to get the thousand yards. So, it doesn't matter. He's going to the NFL. Even if he gets injured this season, <laughs> Kennedy Brooks is gone. And I think you want obviously a guy to have some experience. So I can see your point of the argument. You want that, that live game experience and you want Marcus major to have it for the future. Right. I just think I'm not buying it right now. All right, well, that was true or false. we got to talk some defense against the Texas Tech offense, and then we're going to give you our Big 12 rundown. Oklahoma draws the task of going up against a Texas Tech offense that scores 34.3 points per game, 138 total yards, almost 270 of that comes through the air. And then I feel like, Rich, I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel like Texas Tech has a very underrated rushing attack the Red Raiders running for an average of 168.5 yards per game. To me, just like I said on defense, offensively, I think it comes down to pinching off those gaps and stopping Texas Tech, making them one-dimensional. That's the first key. You you got you to gotta shut down the running lanes. Uh, I'm not going to disagree with you, but I'm going to take a completely opposite approach, which is, I feel like, pretty typical of us as we start looking at these keys to the game for me, Matt, it's really going to be patience on the back end is primary. Mm -hmm. When we look at Henry Columbia, what he's doing, you have to acknowledge the fact that he's thrown one touchdown to three interceptions over their past three games. Right. And he's four and four on the season, four Mm -hmm. touchdowns, four interceptions. And it's not, that's nothing to write home about. Mm -hmm. And so I do believe if this defense, the secondary being depleted, as it is lacking a handful of starters, if they can exercise a little patience, keep things in front of them, the opportunities to create turnovers will come, which is why that's got to be number one. And it's going to continue to be a focal point until the names, the three names that you mentioned here previously are ready to go and step back onto the field. The second one I'm going to throw out there, Matt, is going to focus on the secondary as well, but more so along 
the cornerbacks. And I think Oklahoma and Alex Grinch are going to need to get a little bit more creative in how they approach this. And it is the the problem that is Ezukanma. Mm-hmm. When we look at talented receivers, the Big 12 is littered with them. But there's not many that are more talented than this guy who plays for Texas Tech. Whether it's route running, whether it's the ability to create separation, the double moves, anything that we've seen from Ezukanma seems to work in his favor. It's why he's been so successful. And we look at what Oklahoma was doing last year against him, where he he makes seven catches for 88 yards. I don't want to see those numbers this year. Actually, that that that. wouldn't be bad because that's (laughs) that's 11 yards per reception Mm -hmm. where he's averaging almost 16 and a half for the season. So, yeah, I mean, it'd be below season averages, but, but I get your point. But if this secondary can find a way to bottle him up, and make some of these other receivers make plays in order yeah. to beat Oklahoma, it's going to go a long way in shoring up or at least removing a lot of the verbal concerns that people will hurl at their TVs uh-huh. or in the general direction of the field as the ball is being thrown downfield. Yeah, and I just side note, I'm really anxious to be in the stadium on Saturday and see how this crowd response to the team because you know there's going to be frustrating moments there's going to be offensive and defensive frustrating moments. are the boo birds going to be out on saturday i'm just i'm really interested to see how the crowd responds to a team fighting to go nine and zero uh on the season i i, I agree with what you're saying and and i've, I've just kind of you said be patient i i have it as capitalized on opportunity for the exact same reasons. You know, I, I said pinch the pinch the gaps, stuff the running game. So Roderick Thompson, 361 yards, eight rushing touchdowns on the season. But also, remember, he started out the season slow. He started the season injured. Um, but Columbia is going to offer up some 50-50 balls. There, there's going to be opportunities for this defense to get turnovers, and that's what they got to capitalize on. So you 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 win you win first down by stopping the run, putting them in obvious passing downs, and then you take advantage of that opportunity. And then last but not least is it's just simple focus. For me, this defense needs to focus. It, it is a I don't think it's a talent issue. I, I you look at this defense and there are talented guys across the board. What they really miss. I, I had a, a a conversation with a guy on Twitter, Nick Hines, who listens to the podcast and reaches out to us, Twitter here and there. And and one of the things we were talking about is I really feel like what this defense is missing is that quarterback, you know, that we talked about Buki being that guy and who was going to fill that role. And, and DTL filled that role. And with DTL not on the field, it really affects the alignment. It affects the assignments. It affects the focus. And this defense, it's not a talent issue. It's a it's a focus issue, and who's the voice? Who's the voice that they're listening to? There's Alex Grinch is frustrated. They're frustrated. Brian Odom's frustrated. Everybody's frustrated. Who's the voice that they're gonna listen to to get them to focus? If it's not DTL, it's got to be somebody. So for me, that third thing is you got to find, you know, as Mr. Miyagi would say, is your focus needs more focus. You know what I'm saying? So that's where I am on that. The the last one I'm throwing out is to get pressure into the backfield. Uh, Matt, I threw this out as a true or false question to you. Uh, I don't remember if this was last week or when this actually went out, but we looked at Nick Benito and said through conference play, he only he has only recorded or accounted for two and a half sacks. And the true or false section that I threw out to you is has the Big 12 
figured out a way to negate his strengths. Mm. When we look at a guy like Nick Benito and we look at a lot of the expectation that was placed upon him, the PFF rankings that were coming out and saying right. most productive returning starters, Nick Benito's name was often listed on those different charts. So we knew there was a lot of expectation for him, but seeing that number at two and a half through conference play is a little dismal for me. I had expected that to be higher, um, closer to the six, maybe even the eight mark in, in sacks. Yeah. Oklahoma in this game, I do believe we'll have to find a way to get to the quarterback. And it's largely because I think Texas tech possibly reverts to the Texas tech of not yesteryear, but more so the first half of the season where they were throwing 35 plus times a game in the past two games. They have not done that. It's been in the twenties. Again, I'm thinking they revert, and if that's going to be the case, then Oklahoma's got to get into the backfield against Texas Tech. So I know we're talking about getting into the backfield, getting pressure on the quarterback, and I naturally assign that role to a guy like Nick Benito. And so, again, just want to reiterate to you, the listener, you, Matt, we're talking about conference play, two and a half sacks. Sure, he leads the team with five throughout the season, but two and a half in conference play was was below what I was expecting. I, so I'm, I'm going to stick to my guns on this answer because I, it hasn't changed since I think it, this was one of the true or false questions you sent me on Sunday is that, again, when when you got to when you got to support the back end of the defense with struggles, it affects the front end and and you just can't you can't send everybody. And when you can't send in a full rush, it comes a lot easier to defend the guys that are that are normal rushing. But you, you have a, a good point. Give me a. Um, Give me a bold prediction for this defense on Saturday. Yeah, bold prediction for me is something I, I think Oklahoma has been on the verge of completing, and that's scoring defensively. Okay. There have been more than a handful of turnovers. We've seen the forced fumbles. We've seen the the rumbling. We've seen the not actually securing the ball before trying to get downfield. Nick Benito, by the way. But Oklahoma, we know they're going to turn the ball over. We know they're going to force these turnovers, this game speaks volumes. That's not the right term to use there. This this game leans into Oklahoma's strengths in those turnovers, in my opinion. And so even if it's two, even if it's one, I, I'm hoping that Oklahoma finds a way to finally produce that that defensive score that we've so waited for and hasn't happened. Okay, so I'm going to go... Uh, a little bit opposite field here on this bold prediction. And typically when we do this, um, when we do this segment, it's, it's typically something positive. Okay. That I, I think this is going to happen. You know, I think the defense is going to score. I'm going to go opposite field here. And I'm going to say that Columbia I'm not, I don't think he's going to have a, a season best day against Oklahoma's defense, but I'm going to say he passes for 300 yards against this defense. Is that a bad thing? If he or passes, a good thing. No, that's a bad thing for Oklahoma's defense. But it, you're saying that he's going to do it. I'd say he's going to, I think he's going to exceed 300. I don't 300. even know who you are. I'm just saying. I mean, we always pick out something positive, but I just I feel like we do. You're absolutely. I feel right. like this is this is going to be the case on Saturday because tell me how he otherwise it's not going to happen. Tell me how much faith you have in this defense right now to stop this. 
because they're, they've got Sir Roderick Thompson coming uh, up the middle. I, I just unless unless everyone's healthy, unless Woody Washington's out there, unless DT yells out there, unless Jeremiah Cradell's out there, I feel like this secondary is going to get torched on Saturday. I don't I don't think they're going to Oklahoma's going to lose this game. We'll, we'll give our official predictions here in just a little bit, but I do think there's still going to be struggles. And I said this several weeks ago that it's going to be one of those things where you just got to ride it out. You just have to ride it out until, until it gets better, until you get everybody healthy. And I think this is probably the final weekend that you have to ride it out because, again, you got everybody, you get the bye week next week, everybody can rest up. But the, the Bean kid, Jason Bean, passed for almost 250 against this defense. So you, you tell me he, you don't think no, Columbia's I, better? I, I Ken, think you think Texas Tech is a step back from Kansas? Jason Bean also brought the fact that he was mobile. And he only had 59 yards rushing. He did, but you had to account for that. That's true. And so more often than not, what did you see in the middle? That's right, a spy. Yeah, I just, I'm stick. It's a bold prediction. I'm sticking to it. Yep. And, and that's what they're meant to be, is bold. <laughs> okay, so we've talked offense, we've talked defense. Uh, give me a player. Let's do players to watch. Give me for you an offensive one or two, whatever you got. Yeah, player I'm, to watch. I'm going with one here. And when we look at the the offensive player to watch for me, I picked receivers so often this year. I'm going to switch it up ever so slightly and go with Jeremiah Hall. Oh, that's a good one. When we Mr. see touchdown. Jer- when we see Jeremiah Hall, he's got two touchdowns over the past two games. I think he's a catalyst at this moment for this offense because when things seem to not be going well, guess who steps up and actually produces right. something positive for this offense so that they can springboard off of that forward throughout the remainder of the contest. That's been Jeremiah Hall for me. Sure, he's had his blunders. Don't get me wrong. But when you also look at the versatility of a guy like Jeremiah Hall in the blocking, it can't be understated how vital he is to this offense. And once again, I, I think he has a big game. When I say big game, it may just be 30 yards in terms of receptions, but it should include a touchdown in there as well. I feel like this is a Marvin Mims game. I feel like, and that's why I, you can't, if you're listening, you can't see, but when you said you're not going to pick a receiver, I was like, whoo, wipe my forehead. I feel like this is a Marvin Mims game. I, we, you talked about Kennedy Brooks. I think Kennedy Brooks has a significant impact, but I feel like there's that Texas Tech is going to have to commit enough to stopping the run that Marvin Mims is going to have, find himself in one-on-one situations. And he typically does pretty well in that scenario. So give me Marvin Mims as my player to watch on Saturday offensively for Oklahoma. If you, if you flip the side of the ball to the defense, to, to me, a guy I'm really looking at on Saturday is I don't know that we've called this guy out even one time this season as our player to watch, but I'm going with Brian Osamoa who quietly is second on the team in total tackles at 47. He didn't quietly run through the offensive line last week though. Well, true. <laughs> I'm just saying he this, this guy is is he's got 31 solo tackles, 15 uh, uh assisted tackles for a total of 47. He's got no no sacks, no passes defended, no interceptions, no forced fumbles. He does have one fumble recovery, but he's a guy that is just quietly having a pretty good season for this Oklahoma defense and when guys like David Aguebu and Deshaun White and, you know, you mentioned Nick Benito, Perry and Winfrey, all those guys get a lot of talk. Brian Osamoa is, is quietly playing the best defense he's played in his entire career at the University of Oklahoma. 
And I think when you look at what this defense is going to have to do, you're talking about getting after the quarterback, talking about stopping the run, covering a zone in the flat. Osamo is my guy. That I'm going to keep an eye on, on Saturday. Defensively for Matt, I'm going back to the back end of this defense, and I'm looking at Key Lawrence. Yes, another I'm name, glad you brought that up. Another name that we haven't thrown out there at all this season as one of the players to watch, but you look at Key Lawrence, who I, I really believe started to find his stride mm-hmm. in his role and then cement that mentally for him within this team, within this unit. You're looking at eight tackles, two of those for loss, and he had the one forced fumble. It was a play of the day for the defense, for Against sure. Kansas. So yeah. when I'm looking at Key Lawrence, I'm seeing the momentum building there, and I want to see that carry into this game against Texas Tech. Granted, he's going to be asked to do quite a bit in this game, especially if you're looking at bracketing a guy like Ezukamba, who who knows at this point who's really drawing a majority of that responsibility, but you have to factor in the safeties and that equation, which is why Key Lawrence steps into a role for me where he can once again have a big mm-hmm. game. No, that's I was hoping you were going to go with that pick because you know he he's replacing DTL, and, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens to him when Delarian Turner Yell comes back. But you're right, absolutely right. Last weekend in Lawrence was we saw the the true potential of this kid, and uh, he's definitely one to keep an eye out on. Um, on Saturday as well. And I'm really curious what, again, what happens to him when DTL is back. All right. So that's it. We're going to talk about um, the big 12 rundown and then give you our score predictions for Saturday as we wrap up the Sooner Nation podcast. Quick final segment here of the Sooner Nation podcast. We go through the big 12 rundown, all 10 teams in action in conference play. You got five games starting with 11 a.m., Texas at Baylor. This is a huge game, huge game for both sides. Texas, it's an elimination game. You lose in Waco and you're you're pretty much out of the Big 12 conference race. Baylor, you're you're still kind of in control of your own destiny. You got Oklahoma on your schedule. Uh, you you can you've already beaten Iowa State. You lost to Oklahoma State. So this is a big game both sides. Because Texas, you lose, you're out of the conversation. Baylor, you lose, you're you're no longer in control of your own destiny. Bears three-point favorites over under here, 61 and a half. First of all, Rich, to me, definitely take the over here on this game. But I I like Baylor to win, but I think it's close. I mean that I, that this is a game where I, I don't think I would play the the uh, point spread here at three. Uh, because I think it's kind of spot on. I think this is a game Baylor wins by a field goal. I think it's going to be incredibly close. I think it's going to be the second most entertaining game in the Big 12 this weekend. But give me Baylor. I'll say go ahead and take the over, and I'll say give me Baylor in the three points. What, how do you feel about it? Now, I do agree with you here. When we look at what Baylor's bringing to the table, I think they've got more big play ability than Texas does. And that's no slight to a guy like Bijan Robinson, because I know that he's a threat every time right. he touches the ball. You just have to look at what Baylor's doing defensively and bringing a certain level of tenacity that we saw under Matt rule that we thought left the team when he opted for the NFL mm-hmm. instead of sticking around. Needless to say that that attitude is back for Baylor. And I attribute that to a lot of their success. Again, that big playability on, on offense is going to be the difference maker for me. I do agree with you. This one is a close game. Uh, it's going to be an entertaining game as you've mentioned for sure, but give me Baylor for the win. Iowa state at West Virginia, one o'clock kickoff central time cyclones reinserted themselves as a player in the big 12 with the win over Oklahoma state last week. West Virginia sit at three and four in the season. I guess 
Neil Brown's back to being the, the guy who's uh, on the hot seat again since Matt Wells is gone. But this is a huge game for the Mountaineers. Just we're talking about bowl eligibility. A loss for West Virginia puts them at three and five on the season. A win for Iowa State keeps them in the driver's seat as well because they have the, they're opposite of, of Baylor. They beat Oklahoma State, but they lost to Baylor. But the Cyclones still have Oklahoma on the schedule. Seven-point favorite uh, for the Cyclones over under 48. Again, I like the uh, I like the over here, but I also feel like there could be some letdown for Iowa State after the big win against Oklahoma State. Then you go on the road. I say Cyclones win, but I think it's less than seven. Give me West Virginia plus seven here. I'm going to take the opposite side of this right. equation for you. I think Iowa State is at least two touchdowns better. You look at what Iowa State is doing. They're one of... I believe they're the best statistical defense in the conference. West Virginia has struggled at times, and I think they're going to once again struggle against this Iowa State defense, regardless of where that was played. If it wasn't in Morgantown, I'd say the exact same thing. Okay. Iowa State here, give me the cover at 14 points. I think they win by two touchdowns. Wow. Okay. What about, so you would take the over two then or under 49? Man, th- this one's odd for me because when you win by two touchdowns, it generally leans towards an over uh-huh. type score. Um, but Iowa state in their past eight games, it's, it's gone for the under. So I'm going to go with history here okay. and chance it and say they win by 14, but it's, it's under on entertainment value. The game that I feel uh, has the most of it this weekend is TCU at Kansas state. TCU comes in with a three and four record, Kansas state four and three, the Wildcats are three and a half point favorites. The over under here on this game is at 58 and a half. And I think this game is down to the wire. I, if, if you're just looking for straight entertainment value, you got no dog in the fight. This game will not affect the big 12 conference race. There's no reason really to cheer for either school. Unfortunately, it's at the exact same time as the Oklahoma-Texas Tech game. So anybody listening to this podcast is probably not going to be watching that game. But you're going to want to peek in and see the scores. I think this comes down, again, I think it comes down exactly to the wire. Give me TCU to upset the Wildcats in Manhattan by a point. Something along the lines of 30-29 to or something like that, all right? Uh, 29-28. Somehow, TCU escapes Manhattan with a one-point win on a two-point conversion at the very end of the game, which means I think I would take the over here. Again, on all these games so far, I've taken the over, and I would take TCU as the underdog getting three and a half from Kansas State. You're going to be opposite side of me again, aren't you? I I don't know that I am going to be on the opposite side of you, but I most likely will end up there by the end of this conversation. (laughs) TCU let me down in in a big way. Did you have them on a Friday week. lock? I did. All right. I did. And they let me down. So it's it's hard for me to just freely give my trust back <laughs> to them at this point in time. I do think TCU is the better team in this matchup. Even though that one's being played in Manhattan, I, I get their records. I see the records and everybody wants to put a lot of stock, a lot of weight into that. But I do think TCU probably wins this game, even though they're not favored. So I'm going to side with you on this. All right. Okay. Congratulations. Hey, thank you. I appreciate winning you over here. All right. So here we go. The game of the night, the the night, I mean, that the only night game that the Big 12 has no, no reason at all. This should be a night game. The ratings will be low. Kansas at Oklahoma State. Cowboys are 30 and a half point favorites 
Over under here is 54 and a half. No doubt Oklahoma State wins this football game. But hear me out here. I don't think Oklahoma State's offense is built to win by 31 points. I don't think they are. I don't think they struggle heavily with Kansas. I don't think it's like Oklahoma where they go in the locker room scoreless in the first half. I don't think anything like that. I just don't think their offense is built to cover a 31-point spread. I really don't. And because of that, I don't think I would take the over here either at 54.5. Oklahoma State fans, I have picked against Oklahoma State every week. The last week was the first time I was right. So take this with a grain of salt. I like Oklahoma State to win this game by multiple scores. But I like Kansas to cover 30.5 points. And I think I take the under here. I'm going to be on the opposite side of you. <laughs> um, I, I hear what you're saying about this Oklahoma State offense and it's not really what the offense is doing uh-huh. that I'm banking on it's what what their defense is capable of Oklahoma State Cowboys that is the defense and what they're capable of that I'm going to ride on this one and say that that's the reason that they do cover cuz I can see this one easily being a a 35 to 42 point game for Oklahoma State and it being maybe a field goal or a touchdown for Kansas Okay Fair enough. We'll see what happens. That leads us to the big one for us. Texas Tech at Oklahoma, 2.30 kickoff. ABC, the Sooners, 19.5 point favorites. Over under 66.5. I've gone first every game so far on the Big 12 rundown. So, Rich, I'll let you have first dibs, Sooners and Red Raiders. Matt, there's a lot to consider in this matchup. Obviously, talent is one of those things, and Oklahoma has proved once, and they'll probably prove it again. That talent will take over in the latter half, the latter stages of any contest, especially when there is a discrepancy as large as the one between Oklahoma and Kansas presence on the field. That's not the case when it comes to Texas Tech. I think they're going to employ some of these different tactics that we've seen from other teams prior in this season. However, I don't think they bring the same level of physicality that a team like Nebraska does to the table. And for that reason, I do think this one's a high scoring affair, but I don't think that it's close enough where we're over here biting our nails, hoping that Oklahoma pulls out the win on a last second field goal. Therefore I'm going 50 for Oklahoma. Can you even score 50? We're going, we're going 50 to 31, 50 to 31. I've got it a much, much closer game. I'm just going to throw that out there. I, 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 I don't like the 19 and a half point spread. I don't. Um, and history is on, you're talking about history. History is on my side. Oklahoma this season has notoriously been bad against the point spread. I think Oklahoma wins this game, but I think they win it by a touchdown. I'm looking at something like 37 to 30. I, I think Oklahoma has a lot of success offensively. I think they have a lot of frustration defensively. Um, I think it's a game that's close in the first half that has Oklahoma fans kind of, in their feels and on their frustrations, but the turnover, a big play here or there in the second half spins us around for the Sooners. And I mean, we're kind of seeing a trend here. I think it's a comfortable one score win for Oklahoma, meaning they win it by a touchdown, but it's like Kansas state. It's like you, you feel comfortable with, with where you are in the game, even though you're up by a touchdown. So give me the, give me Oklahoma to not cover 19 and a half points. And again, I'll be opposite of you. I'll take the the under. I don't think this game hits 67 points as a total. Like I said, I think it would be – well, I guess, I guess I'm going to take the over. Sorry, because I said 37-30. That would be 67. So give me the over. Give me, give me Texas Tech 
get 19 and a half and then give me the over by a half a point. Um, that's going to wrap it up for us here at the Sooner Nation podcast. You can catch us every day on the internet, heartland-sports.com. We're on Twitter, at Sports Heartland on Twitter. Enjoy your weekend of college football, and we'll be back on Sunday. Boomer Sooner. <laughs>